0: Lesson number 106, Surah at tawbah ayah number 53 to 63. Qul say, Anfiqoo, you all spend. Tawan, willingly, au or, Karhan, unwillingly. Lan, never. Yutaqabbala, it will be accepted. Minkum, from you. Why? Because inna kum, indeed you all. Kuntum, You have been قَوْمًا A people فَاسِقِين Ones who are disobedient. In this ayah, the Prophet ﷺ is being commanded to tell the munafiqeen, to tell the hypocrites. What? That all oh hypocrites, go ahead and spend in the way of Allah, whether willingly or unwillingly, do so in order to attain Allah's pleasure or do so out of social pressure, in order to look good before others. However, for whatever reason, whatever the state of your heart is, in whatever manner you spend, it will not be accepted from you. Allah will never ever accept your charity, your sadaqah. You will never be rewarded for the spending. You will never be rewarded for the sacrifice, for this effort. Why? Because, the kuntum قَوْمًا fasiqin. You have been a people who are fasiqin. Fasiqin is a plural of fasiq, One who crosses the limits. فَسَقَ tamra. Tamra, Date. Fasaka, Meaning when it's become so ripe that it comes out of its skin. Have you ever seen that the skin of the date, it dries up, it cracks up, right? So, When something crosses the limit that is set for it, it crosses the boundaries, that is fisk. So for everything, there is a limit. So for instance, as people, we have been prescribed certain limits, right? So for instance, towards others, what are the limits? That we interact with them, we engage in conversation with them, but we should not cross the limit and start mocking at them and start hurting their feelings, right? and start lying to them. We should not start backbiting them. All of these sins, in whatever shape or form they may be, what are they in reality? Fisk, crossing the limit. Right? So, إِنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ Because you have been sinful and disobedient, you have been crossing limits, This is why your good deeds are not going to be accepted now. What is the background of this ayah? Remember that these verses were revealed with regards to the expedition to Tabuk. And that expedition was a very, very serious one and a very difficult one. The Prophet ﷺ, he made an open declaration that every single able person was required to come. And before, he never did this. Before, it was always like whoever is able to come, come. Or the Prophet ﷺ did not tell the people exactly what the mission was going to be. Here, people were informed from before and everyone was told to come along. But what happened? Because it was a difficult journey and the enemy was strong, some people, they made excuses. And others, their hypocrisy was exposed at this time. Because if they were really truthful and sincere, what would they have done? They would have gone along. But because their loyalties were not with the Prophet ﷺ, not with Islam. This is why they were coming up with the most lame excuses just in order to stay behind. So one of the excuses that one, one of the richest people of Medina came up with was what? That I have heard that Roman women are very beautiful. So please don't put me into fitna. If I go there, I'm going to end up committing sin. So please don't take me over there and expose me to fitna. Please allow me to stay behind. The Prophet ﷺ, he just turned his face away from him and allowed that man to stay behind. What was that man's name? Jud bin Qais. But this man wanted to make sure that he still had a good image before the Prophet ﷺ. He didn't want to look like a bad guy. So what did he do? He said, but I will help financially. If there's any you know, financial aid you need, I am more than ready to help you with that. And many times this happens. That we know we're doing something wrong. And our heart is telling us. Right? Our heart is telling us. People are looking at us. What are you doing? What are you saying? So what happens? Instead of admitting that we're doing something wrong and fixing that problem, we try to cover it up with something else. We try to make it up through some other way. Like for example, some people, they don't, you know, spend much time with their children. Or they're not that good with their children. Now, in their heart, obviously, they feel bad. What I'm doing is wrong. So what happens then? They ask, do you need any money? Do you need any stuff? Would you like any toys? And what happens? They try to make up. How? By giving money. But that child, that teenager, will have the best cell phone in his hand. But still, he's crying or she's crying. Why? Because of the way that the mother and father are treating them. They feel that they don't have a good relationship with their parents. Right? And as a result, they are suffering in silence. They're crying in loneliness when they're alone. But the parents think everything should be fine because, look, I bought her a cell phone. I even got her a license. I also gave her, you know, a pair of keys for the car. What more does she want? What does she want? Good treatment from you. Simple. Right? A good relationship with you. Not all that money. But what happens is, that some people, they're strong enough, they're bold enough to come and face their weaknesses and admit them, and fix them. And others, their ego prevents them from doing that. So they say, no, no, I'm right, not doing anything wrong. Instead, I'll do something else to make up for it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, أَنْفِقُوا Tawan أَوْ karhan, Spend willingly or unwillingly. طَوْعًا in obedience from إِطَاعًا Happily, willingly. In obedience to Allah and His Messenger. Karuhan, opposite of that, it is to dislike something. So spend while you dislike at heart. Spend grudgingly. You don't want to give it, but you're giving it, you're spending, why? Just so that you look good, out of social pressure. But regardless of the state of your heart, it's not going to be accepted from you. Why? Because, إِنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ What do we learn from this ayah? That, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept deeds, no matter how great they may be, from just anybody. There has to be a reason for the acceptance of deeds. And all of those reasons is what? Sincerity. That it must be done with sincerity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And another reason for the acceptance of deeds is that a person is obedient to Allah. Otherwise also, in general also. Think about it. If a person has a bad reputation, okay, a bad reputation somewhere, because of the kind of work they're doing or because of the work that they're leaving, they have a bad reputation. Then what happens? Even if out of the blue they produce something good, does it have any value? Is it appreciated? Is it welcomed? No. A person might say, but look, I've done it right. But then he's told, no, but what have you been doing for the past three weeks? What have you been doing since the time you were hired? Right? They're reminded of their past history. This one report that you've produced means nothing because what you have been doing thus far is useless. Right? So likewise, إِنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ Sins, they prevent deeds from being accepted. This is why Allah says, اُدْخُلُوا fi السِّلْمِ Enter into Islam entirely. Completely. Don't compartmentalize your religion. That you say, yes, I will obey Allah when it comes to eating. But when it comes to dressing, uh-uh. When it comes to interacting, yes, I'm really good with my parents. But when it comes to my siblings, I hate them. No. A person has to be striving to be better in all all the aspects of his life but many times we think that just because we're doing one good thing everything else should be okay but it doesn't work like that many times it happens we think oh i'm studying the quran so what if i you know was rude to my mother and so what if i did this to my husband and so what if i said this to my neighbor what's the big deal you know what, I'll go read more Qur'an and I'll be fine. But remember the rule that good deeds, they erase bad deeds. Isn't it so? al yudhibna It also works the other way. Bad deeds erase good deeds. They nullify and cancel the good deeds of a person. No matter how good they may be. إِنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ Allah accepts from who? إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Those who fear God, those who have fear of Allah. So those who fear Allah, then they're not just fearful in one aspect of their life. No, they're fearful in every aspect of their life. Their clothing, and their eating, and their speaking, and their interacting and they're going to the masjid, and they're going to school, and they're going elsewhere. It's the same servant. He doesn't change colors like a chameleon. He is consistent. He is fearful of Allah. So when a person has this kind of reputation with his Lord, then his good deeds are accepted. And if a person is خَائِن, he deceives Allah, he deceives people, then his good deeds have no value. That it doesn't matter how much a person is striving. Anfiqul taw'an aw He can spend a million dollars. He can work non stop for an entire week. But will it be accepted? No. Inna ma minal muttaqeen. Wa ma And it has not prevented them. Aum that. Tuqbala, it is accepted. Minhum from them. Nafaqatuhum, their spending. Nafaqat is a plural of nafaqah. And what is nafaqah? That which is spent. Yunfiqoon, infaq, right? To spend. So nafakat refers to their spendings, meaning that which they spend in the way of Allah. So what is it that is preventing their charities, their expenditures from being accepted? What is the hurdle? What is that hurdle that has come between them and Allah? So that the good deeds they're performing are not being accepted by Allah. Do you understand? There's something that has come in the middle. There's something that's come as a hurdle that's preventing the good deeds from being accepted. So what is that? Allah tells us, إِلَّا accept." It is nothing but this. It's simple. And what is it? That, أَنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَبِرَسُولِهِ That because they have disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. First of all, kufr. But don't the hypocrites say they believe? Don't they say that they believe? Yes, they do. But it's just a verbal claim. The iman is not in the heart. It's just a lip service. It's just a claim. Iman is not actually in the heart. Because if iman was in the heart, then only statements of iman would come out of the mouth. Then a person would not make fun of Allah, His revelation, His messenger. No. So first of all, because they have disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. So what do we learn from this? The first barrier, the first hurdle that comes between a servant and his Lord, meaning servant's deeds being accepted, is what? Kufr. So if a person is performing, you know, the greatest of actions, the best of deeds, but with kufr, then his deeds have no value. They have no value. Why? Because if he has not recognized the right of the greatest muhsin, and who is the greatest muhsin? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who has done the most favor to us. If a person does not recognize him, his rights, and he's going on performing various good deeds, do those good deeds have any value? No? Think about it. If there is a son, or let's say a daughter, right, and she is extremely disobedient to her parents. She doesn't have any respect for them, doesn't show respect to them at all. So as a result, the parents, they put their foot down, they say, if you really want to be with us, you better do this. She says, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't care about you. And she leaves the house. Okay. And then she gets married, and she says, you know, my mom and dad, they don't even acknowledge my marriage. They don't even come to my wedding. And then what happens? She has a baby. And she says, my parents... They don't love me because, look, I had a child and they have no interest in my life. I got my degree and they're not happy. Why are the parents not happy? Why are the parents not happy? For any of the achievements of their daughter. Why? Because she has gone against their wishes. She has hurt them. She has refused to treat them like parents ought to be treated. So as a result, no matter what she achieves in life, it doesn't mean anything to the parents. Isn't it so? It doesn't mean anything to the parents because she has missed one of the basic things. And if she fulfilled that, right? she treated her parents with respect, then even if she became the greatest loser in life, her parents would still love her. Isn't it? Why? Because she treats her parents the way they deserve to be treated so even if she fails at school even if she ends up with a divorce her parents still love her because she is an obedient child right so what do we learn over here that the first and foremost requirement is what iman billah iman bir rasul if a person is not fulfilling the right of allah the right of the messenger then no matter what good he accomplishes in life it doesn't mean Anything at all. It doesn't mean anything at all. And you see, it's Iman Billah and Iman bil Rasul. Right? Because they disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. The greatest muhsin on us is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who? The Prophet Wasallam, Because He is the one who received guidance and conveyed it to us. He is the one who showed every way of righteousness and goodness to us. We learn in a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that there is nothing that will lead you to Jannah except that I have informed you about it. And there is nothing that will lead you to hellfire except that I have warned you against it. So he is really the greatest muhsin from amongst humanity, from amongst people on us. And every single one of us. Because if he did not convey, what would we know life is about? We wouldn't our lives would be nothing, they'd be meaningless. So really, the Prophet ﷺ's ihsan on us is great. So those who reject Allah and His Messenger, their good deeds mean nothing. Secondly, what's the other reason for their deeds being rejected? What is the hurdle? وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاتَ And they do not approach the prayer. They do not come to the prayer illa except وَهُمْ While they kusala, ones who are lazy. Kusala is the plural of kaslan, from kafsin lamb. And who is kaslan? Someone who is very, very, very lazy. Okay? Lazy does not mean slow. We think if someone is slow, they are being lazy. No, there is a difference. Some people are naturally very quick and speedy. And others, they don't have that speed, but they still do the job. Alright, like for example, if there is a turtle, would you call it lazy? No. It's not lazy. Why? Because that's the speed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it. Alright? That was written in its qadr. That this turtle cannot walk faster than this speed. Right? Kaslan is what? It is that a person, he doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to do it so even if he has the capacity to do it what does he do he delays and he procrastinates right and he finally does it begrudgingly dragging his feet dragging his feet i have a question to ask you which house chore do you detest washing what dishes, dishes okay anybody else yes Putting away the laundry. Okay? Yeah, I agree with that. I hate that job. What else? What else do you detest? Okay, let's take the example of laundry. You have a pile of laundry. Right? So what happens? You know you need the clothes desperately. Because you need your white hijab for the class. Right? So what happens? Somebody says, Okay, fine, I'll put it in the machine for you. Or you say, you know what? I'll put it in the machine for you. I don't have to wash by hand, so I'll just... Shove it into the machine. You do that. And then eventually you go transfer to the dryer. And then what happens? The clothes stay in the dryer. Right? Are you very busy? No, 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 no. I'm just tired. Just really tired. So the clothes stay in the dryer until they shrink. Right? And they get crumpled up. And then what happens? You get the pile out and you put it on your bed. What happens then? You don't put it away. So when you have to go to bed, you transfer that pile onto your chair. <laughs> and then when you have to sit down to do your work, then what happens to that pile? Goes back on the bed. <laughs> until what happens? You keep taking clothes away from that pile until nothing remains except a few socks or something. And then you're like, whatever. I'll just put them away. That is being kaslan. Okay? Allahumma <laughs> inni a'udhu bika al ajzi wal Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from weakness and laziness. Why is this laziness a problem? Why? Because it really, really slows you down. It doesn't let you do anything. Because the moment you want to go and take you know, a nap, you think, oh my God, the laundry is sitting on the bed. So what happens, you sit on the sofa and your neck is hurting Right? But you know that no, I'm supposed to fold that laundry and then I'm supposed to go to bed. But I don't have the energy to do that, so maybe I'll wait a little bit longer. Is that laundry gonna disappear by you just sitting on the sofa? No, you have to go and face it. This kessel is slowing you down, right? And is making you neglect what is more important in life, right? And as a result, your work is just increasing, increasing, and piling up. Now what is mentioned over here? وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاةَ إِلَّا وَهُمْ kusala. They come to salah lazily, why? Because they detest salah. They don't like to pray. It's a burden. It's boring. Again I have to pray. I'm tired. I have this to do. I have that to do. So what happens? They keep delaying. And delaying. And delaying. But does the prayer... Are they forgiven for the prayer? Just because they're delaying it? No. You could delay it until the last two minutes even. But are you going to be forgiven for the prayer? No. You still have to perform the prayer. And as Muslims we realize that. We have to perform the prayer even if we don't like to. Even if we find it difficult. You still have to do it. You can't get away from it. Just like the laundry. I mean you have to put it away. There's no choice but to put it away. وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاةَ إِلَّا Now if you dislike doing your laundry, I understand. I understand. If you dislike doing the vacuum, again, it's understandable. And you know what? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It happens many times that your laundry is sitting like that, sometimes for a whole week. But what's the big deal? You're gonna put those clothes away, you're gonna use them, again they're gonna end up in the wash. Right? Because they're only clothes after all. How important are they? You just need to wear them and use them until they fade away, until they get ripped, and then you get rid of them. Right? So clothes, if you have a lazy attitude with them, it's not a big deal. But salah, if a person has a lazy attitude with the prayer, is that a problem? It's a big problem. Because first of all it shows how poor that relationship is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How far a person is from Allah. That he doesn't like to meet Him. He doesn't like to go and talk to Him. He doesn't like to go and stand before Allah and thank Him for all the things that he's been enjoying. And praise Allah for His perfection. Seek forgiveness for all the sins that he's been accumulating. He doesn't want to do that it shows how distant a person is from Allah. How distant he is from khair, from goodness. Every time that the time for a particular prayer enters, a caller makes an announcement saying that all people come and extinguish the fire that you have lit for yourselves. And what is that fire? The sins that we've been committing. So some people, they get up, they perform wudu, and as they're performing wudu, their sins are? Washing off. From their arm, from their face, from their mouth, from their feet. Sins are washing off. And when they perform the prayer, then that fire is extinguished. What happens then? Again, they go and light a fire for themselves. They commit sins. They disobey Allah. Again, for the next prayer, a caller calls out. Come and extinguish the fire of sins that you have lit for yourselves. And this happens five times a day. With every single prayer. And at the end of the hadith we learn, some people, they go to sleep in a good state, when they're clean, when they've purified themselves. And others, they go to sleep, so they spend the night while they are covered in sin. Covered in sin. Smothered with sin. You know like a person is filthy? He's just covered in filth? So some people, they go to sleep in that state. Who? Those who have been too lazy to respond to that call. Who have not washed themselves. So when a person has this kind of attitude with the prayer, then imagine how far behind he would be from other good deeds. Right? Prayer is the most important. One of the first things. Right? And if a person is lazy when it comes to prayer, then how would he be when it comes to reciting the Qur'an? Think about it. Would he recite the Qur'an happily, willingly? No. If he can't come to prayer willingly, how can he go to recite the Qur'an willingly? If he cannot perform the salah happily, then how can he remember Allah in the morning, in the evening happily? He can't do that. Salah is the first thing. It's the foundation. It's the basis of your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if that is weak, then the entire religion is weak then a person is spiritually hollow. There is nothing. So the munafiqeen, Allah says, وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاةَ إِلَّا وَهُمْ كسالة. They come to prayer lazily. And because of that, their good deeds are rejected. So even if they come and perform the prayer, like in hadith we learn, that a hypocrite waits until the sun is about to set, then he rushes to perform the prayer. And he pecks at the ground like a chicken. His sajda is just like a chicken or a bird pecking on the ground. This is how he prays. Quickly, 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 rushing through the prayer. The heart is not involved, nothing at all. He doesn't gain anything out of that prayer. So even if he's performing that prayer because he came lazily, will it bring him any benefits? Will it bring him any reward? Allah is the best judge. Think about it. If you ask someone to do something for you, And they say, okay, I'll just do it. And you see they're just sitting. Can you please do it? Yeah, I'll do it. Again after 10 minutes, you see they haven't moved. Can you please get up and do it? Stop nagging me. Stop telling me again and again. So what happens if somebody's behaving like that? You know what? You keep sitting here, I'll go do it myself. Right? I'll go do it myself. I don't need you. So if someone is doing the work that you ask them to do lazily, are you interested in their performance? No. Are you interested in their effort? No. It doesn't look good anymore. You don't like it. So why do we think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept our prayers if we are performing them lazily? We're coming to prayer lazily. We're performing salah lazily. I mean, think about how we're standing in prayer sometimes. I'm amazed how a person like this. I mean, as if you've got no life in you, head is hanging off to the side, and the posture is so poor. You're standing before Rabbul Alamin. Stand properly. Hold your hands together properly. Show respect in your posture. Eyes are closed, yawning with the mouth open, looking here and there, going to rukur lazily, getting up with a big sigh. I mean... This is laziness. Would you like if somebody sat like that in front of you? Would you ever like it? No. What do we want? If somebody is talking to us, the better sit properly, the better pay attention, the better focus. And if you don't want to do that, you're more than welcome to go. Get up and leave. But at the dinner table, there are certain manners that everybody has to observe. Right? Every place demands certain attitude from us. And in prayer, what is demanded from us, what is expected from us is what? Respect for Allah Azza wa Jal. So out of that respect, don't be lazy when coming to prayer and also in prayer. You know like men are told, be a man. Right? Meaning, get your act together, stand properly, show that you have strength. Allah gave you this able body, all of that food to eat, not so that you stand lazily in front of him. So, وَلَا يَأْتُونَ الصَّلَاةَ إِلَّا وَهُمْ kusala. Another reason, وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَ And they do not spend, meaning if they do spend anything in Allah's way, how are they spending it? Illa Except, وَهُمْ While they كَارِهُونَ One's a dislike. I mean, they don't really like to do it. They're just doing it out of social pressure. Because then they will look bad in front of others. So their heart is not really into it. They're just doing it to look good. So إِلَّا وَهُمْ كَارِهُونَ They don't enjoy doing the good work. They're just doing it to please people. So what do we learn in these ayat? What is it that becomes a reason for the acceptance of good deeds? Obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, Imanil Allah and His Messenger. Thirdly, Salah, performing it properly, happily. And then spending in the way of Allah or performing any other good deed, but how? Happily, willingly, for the sake of Allah, with excitement, with joy. We I mean, think about it. How is it that we sit in front of the computer? Happily. How is it that we're watching television? Happily. Even if we're physically tired, our heart is fully into it. Right? So show that happiness to the one who gave Everything to you. And on the other hand, what is it that becomes a barrier? What is it that becomes a hurdle so that a person's good deeds are not accepted? The exact opposite. Disobedience to Allah. Disobedience to Allah. Secondly, secondly in this ayah, what do we learn? Look at the ayah. After disobedience, then what? Hmm? Before that. Disbelief. إِلَّا أَنَّهُمْ كفروا. So kufr. Thirdly, Laziness and fourthly dislike. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. <laughs> وما منعهم أن تقبل منهم نفقاتهم إلا أنهم كفروا بالله وبرسوله إلا أن هم كفوا بالله وبرسوله ولا يأتون الصلاة إلا وهم كسال ولا ينفقون إلا وهم كارهون.